This morning we are going to continue in our study of the book of Exodus. We're going to look at biblical generosity. This is kind of a part two. As last week we looked at kind of the foundation, this, this root system of biblical generosity. We didn't, we didn't talk about offerings. We didn't talk about tithes. We didn't talk about money. Uh, the three things that we asked, we asked three questions last week. The first one was, what does God need? And we learned through Psalm 19 and the book of 1 Chronicles that God needs nothing. He needs nothing. So that leads us to the second question that we covered last week is, what does God desire? What does God want from us? And we see all throughout Scripture that God desires our obedience. God desires our heart. God desires us wanting his presence in our lives. And we've looked at that kind of as a theme, really, since we've been back into the book of Exodus from chapter 20 on. We've started seeing this God really focusing in on the importance of his presence. The Ten Commandments, the original instructions for the tabernacle, as we're moving now into the Exodus 35 and 36 about actually putting this, this plan for the tabernacle into motion. Uh, because, listen, what we've seen out of God in this book of Exodus has been absolutely uh, just really remarkable to me. Because we look at how good, how gracious, how merciful that God is, and then we look at how really horrible the Israelites are, right? Because we see this, this rebellion. We, receive, we see them being stubborn. We see them being hard-headed. And we just come off of a passage of Scripture to where God is telling Moses, said, listen, you all can have the promised land. You can have everything that, I, that you're wanting, everything that I promised to give you. You can have it. I'm just done. Like, you all go without me. I, I read a commentary earlier this week, and it, the way that the commentator stated it, he said that, the relationship that we see between Israel and God in the book of Exodus is kind of what we could equate to a marriage that your spouse cheats on you the day of the wedding ceremony. Like adultery happens at the very beginning, the first day that you're married, and that's what they likened this relationship between God and Israel being, and Israel obviously would have been the unfaithful spouse in that situation. But we looked at the question of what does he desire, and he who desires our obedience, that, that drawing closer to him. That's what he wants. That's what God desires. And then finally, we, how, how does this happen? You know, what, what, how does this come about? And we looked at some of the examples of Jesus in the New Testament. Him talking about if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, John 13 was like, just do what I do. I've given you the example. Not only have I told you, I'm also living it. Just do what I do. So God's commandments, his desire for obedience from us to him is not some ego trip that he's on, that he is, is wanting more and more and more attention paid to him so that his pride is fulfilled. No, his commands, his call to obedience, his instruction, his word is given to us because he wants us in his presence and he 
wants to be with us also. So this part two that we're looking at today, I, I want to start by reading out of Exodus chapter 35. I'm going to start with verse 4. And we're going to read through verse 10. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. So here comes this obedience thing again, this commandment portion. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So in this passage of Scripture, we see a call for the people of God to give an offering to God. Like God is commanding them, He's instructing them, He's desiring for them to give in an offering to him so that the tabernacle the place where his presence is going to dwell can be built and established within the nation of israel now there's three things that i want us to look at this morning we're going to look at the motive of generosity we're going to look at the means of generosity and we're going to look at the methods of generosity okay now again we've already taken our offering today we're not going to barricade the doors and keep you in here until you give of a second offering. Okay? This is not a big, we're, in, we're, we're hurting for money. we got to have a capital giving campaign. This is not what this is about. This is basic, everyday, biblical, fundamental generosity that should be operating and understood in the lives of the children of God. Does that involve your money? Yes, it does. But we're going to see that it involves far more than our money, the things that we can give of a monetary nature. You hear us quite often when people give offering communions and, th and offering thoughts and devotion up here that they'll say that, yeah, it, it's about money, but it also goes to your time, your energy, your, your gifting, your skills, all of these things. And we're going to see that here. But the first thing that we need to recognize about this, these motives, because Again, we, we stated this last week. You don't have to be a Christian to be a generous person, right? Like, I know some absolute stinkers of people that are really generous with what they have. It doesn't require a repentant heart and a life dedicated to Jesus Christ in order to be generous. Everyone, anyone can be generous. But what differentiates, what, dis, what, what, what causes this, uh, this uniqueness about Christians in our generosity is the motive behind it. It's the motive that we have because as a Christian, as a believer, we have to understand that our motive for generosity is rooted in God's generosity to us. 
Like our motivation for being generous to the kingdom of God, to the church, to people in general, our motive is because God has been so generous to us, we're just going to give out of that. We're we're giving out of the overflow. When we're giving with proper motives, it comes out of the overflow of who we are and what God has already done. Last week we talked about when he's calling for these things, all of these fine stones, this linen, this, this, these dyes, this cloth, all of these material things, and the Israelites are in possession of them. Where did they get these things from? They got them from Egypt, right? Like they were slaves. They were in bondage for hundreds of years before this. They didn't own anything. They didn't have any money. They didn't have time to to invest in a 401k. Everything that they had coming out of the land of Egypt was plundered because God said, go ahead and take that because it's mine anyhow and I'm going to give it to you. So God is simply asking for them to give back a part of what he had provided for them. Everything that we have in our lives is a result of God's grace. Everything we have, owned, borrowed, paying on it, hopefully the bank doesn't come get it. Anything that we have is through the grace of God Almighty. We're called to be stewards of what is already His. What we have has been entrusted to us by a sovereign God. And listen, that that has never really hit me like really deeply from a financial standpoint. Because I've lived most of my life like most of us have. It's like, you know, you, you play the game Beat the Bank... And I know that we've got some of the Strother family in here, and they cringe with this type. So, so I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's like I felt like I've lived the majority of my life where the, the, my checks need to have a picture of some real thick neck, muscly person on there because it's going to be a bouncer. That is terrible, isn't it? Daniel, where's that laugh track you had earlier? But anyhow... Yes, he's downloaded one. <laughs> but anyhow, we, where was I? Bank, yes, bounce check. Everything that we have is intended to us, extended to us by the grace of God. And when that really hit me, wasn't with my money that I was entrusted with things from God, it was whenever my daughter was born. Like that's when it hit me. Not with all the tens of dollars I had in my pocket. I'm like, I'm holding this little one here, and I'm just like, God, I burned a turkey last year. And you're giving me this? You're, you're expecting me to be responsible for this? That's when I was like, okay. I've got a little soul here. This is, this is something. And that's when I began to understand, like, God gives out of His grace 
because it's nothing that I'm, that I'm qualified for. It's nothing that I've earned. It's nothing that I deserve. But he entrusts us out of his grace. And again, we are generous people because our generosity is rooted in God's generosity towards us. When we begin to understand that, we begin to understand that our life should be an overflow of generosity. What I mean by that is, how many coffee drinkers do I have in here? Well, just let me see your hands. I want to know who all loves Jesus in here. All right, so, okay. Pray for the rest of you. Pray for the rest of you. But have you ever played that game of where the coffee cup gets just a little too full? And you're like at this moment of decision. Like, do I risk burning everything on my face and taking that really loud first slurp? No, we don't do that most of the time, right? We've got confidence in ourselves that we've got this. And then we take that funky little walk to where we need to get, and inevitably it spills every time. But when that coffee cup is full to the brim, full to the rim with, I'm, I'm dating some of y'all in here, all right? That was an advertisement, an old coffee advertisement. It's full to the rim with brim. No matter how full we think that cup is, something is not completely filled until it's overflowing. Like there's always going to be more capacity for it to hold something else until it overflows. And that's the same with our walk with Jesus Christ. We need to be walking a life that full of the Spirit, full of His love, full of His grace, and full of His mercy. But folks, if that is not spilling out onto others in your walk, you may not be as full as what you think you are. And generosity is part of that. And we have to understand that our motives can't always be, we, we can't be generous out of a motive of worrying about having a guilty conscience. Like, I don't give because I have a guilty conscience all the time. I, I, can't, I can't always give out of hopes of getting something in return, of getting a reward for this. I can't give just because I feel like it's my obligation to do so. Now, I have, and I think probably most all of us have been at some point in our lives, I have found myself in all three of these places. Like, I have given out of a guilty conscience. I have given in hopes of a reward. And I have given out of a place of where I know this is simply what I'm supposed to do. And I, what I want to submit to you is those need to be the moments in your life. And they need to be passing. They need to be fleeting. We can't take up residence there and, and embrace and adopt that theology. And here's why. The next part is the means of our generosity. And the means comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you're on your phone and you've got one of those nifty little things where you can hit the word and it maybe gives you a little bit of an insight into the original language of that word, for that original language, for cheerful, is the same root word that we get the word hilarious from. God loves a hilarious giver. Can I submit something to you? God's not as concerned by the amount that you give, but he's more concerned as to the means that you're giving, the why that you're giving. Now, I want to just let you all know that we're recording this. If the offering tanks from this point on, this is my swan song out of the church. Jesus isn't that concerned with your money. We like to muddy the waters, right? Whenever it comes to generosity, whenever it comes to giving, oh, like, is that the 10%? Are you talking about tithe? What if I give 9%? Okay, so are you talking about like every week? What if I get paid twice a month? What if I get paid once a month? What if it's once a year? Do I give off of gross or net? Do I have to pay off my taxes too? Like, you know, we muddy these waters and we worry about all of these things. God is not that concerned with your money. The amount of money that you're giving, he's concerned with the motive and the means. He's concerned with why you're giving it. Let me use Jesus as an example. One of the best examples of the most meaningful offering, the biggest time of generosity, was when a widow came in and gave of her last might. On a dollars and cents basis, I don't think that might made a big difference in the operation of the church. I don't think they replaced a roof on the house they were meeting in with that little might. But Jesus was moved by that. Because it came from a place of faith. It came from a place of sacrifice. It came from a place of it doesn't matter what the amount is, it's the why. When I give out of a heart of cheerfulness, when I give out of a heart of hilarity, when I give out of a heart of obedience and blessing, knowing that this is what I have, God, you've given it, I'm giving it back to you. This is what you're asking, this is what you expect. I want to give you everything that I can because, make no mistake, this church is not out after your money. This church is not out after your money. We want everything. Jesus isn't out after your money. He wants everything. He wants your money. He wants your heart. He wants your time. He wants your energy. He wants everything. So our generosity is far more than just our money. So we see this example of the widow's last might. Jesus was moved by what we would consider to be an insignificant offering. But if Jesus was all about money then he contradicted himself with the rich young ruler. Did he not? Because with the rich young ruler, he said, go, give everything away. Give every possession you have, all the money you have, give it all away, then come back and follow me. You see, if Jesus was all about the money, he would have said, go, get everything you got, bring it to me, I'll give it to Judas. That might be questionable, but we'll put it in the account, and then we'll go. You see, if Jesus was about the amount of money, then he contradicted himself with the rich young ruler. 
Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants everything you've got. But he wants our generosity to come from a place that we are giving cheerfully. We're giving hilariously. We're giving out of the abundance of what he has already provided for us. So let's look at the methods. And this is kind of what we see in this passage of Scripture. But there's four out of the New Testament. And I'm not going to go to all these passages, but I wanted to have them up here so you could see them. Here's some examples of New Testament generosity and the things that we're supposed to give to. Ephesians 6.10 instructs us that we need to be generous to our church. To the church family that disciples you, to the church that supports you, to the church that cares for you, to the church that loves you, we are commanded to be generous to the church, to this family that God has placed you in. Acts 4, 34 and 35 says that we need to give to those in need, to the people that are in need. And this was where landowners were just coming, selling everything, laying the money at the feet of the disciples. You're saying, meet needs with it. So we need to be generous in helping to meet the needs around us. Matthew 6, 3 and 4 says, we need to be satisfied with giving in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. If you're giving to be seen, then you're giving to receive a reward, right? That's pride-driven. But we need to be willing to be generous in secret. And then 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, we need to be willing to be sacrificially generous, to cost something. Again, that widow's last mite, she gave cheerfully. She gave joyfully of the very last thing that she had. That is sacrificial giving. Now I want to wrap things up this morning by looking at Exodus 36, verses 3 through 7. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. I love this passage, and I love what these chapters show us, because they show us that while money, valuables, monetary things are important, that God wants so much more than that from us. If you'll read these passages, there's two craftsmen in this passage that unless I've overlooked something, the first time we see the terminology in the entire Bible of being filled with the Holy Spirit was upon two people who were craftsmen doing works with their hands. 
it said that God's Holy Spirit filled them to do the work of the craftsmanship. You see, it's not just about what we can put in an offering plate or in one of our offering containers that we tend to like to switch on you. Every, I don't know if you've tried to hunt those things down or not. Not just the things that we can give monetarily to the church, but the giftings that God has given us as well. I hope you realize that God has gifted you this morning. God has placed a calling in your heart. He's placed resources in you that go far beyond money that, guess what, your church family needs. Now, God has blessed us incredibly over these past few years financially. He really has. We've been able to give to missions more. We've been able to support our community more. We've been able to do things around here with our facilities more than what we've been in previous years. And thank you for being obedient to God in doing that. I ask that you continue to give cheerfully, hilariously to the church. But what I want to challenge you to do is I want to challenge you to do more than that. This church needs far more from you than your money. This church needs the gifts that God has placed in your life. This body needs you. And it doesn't have to be in an official capacity within a, an official you know, ministry of this church. We've got our kids in here with us this morning. Adults in the room, you're looking at parents and kids that if you're in that stage of life where your kids are grown and they're doing things and they're out of the house, we've got parents and kids that need you that need your input in their life, that need your discipleship in their life, that need your prayers in their life. We have a community that needs you. We have all kinds of walks of life. We have all kinds of social situations. We have people who, who just, they need a touch. They need someone who's generous, and that generosity motive is because the kingdom of God is near that they need a touch from the love of God so yes please still give but please do more than that here's the most profound statement that I'm going to make and I'm going to close with it if you're doing nothing the best thing that you can do is do something. Do something. Do something for the kingdom of God. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your skills. Be generous with your gifting. Be generous with your finances. Be generous with what God has entrusted to you. I want to ask the praise team if they will to come back this morning. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll make this statement. I've made it to the elders just about every time that we have an elders meeting. I've made it to my wife over and over and over again. Um, Tuesday. Tuesday will mark my eight-year anniversary here. I will have been here eight years on November the 1st. In those eight years, 
I have seen the most generous church family that I've ever been a part of in my life. And I mean that sincerely. But I believe that God is calling us to a greater level of generosity. I think that there's more that this church still has to give. I believe that God has sustained this family, has grown this family, not just because he wants to see so many people in a church building on a Sunday morning. He has grown it to be generous to a community, to people who are around us, to an area that needs to be impacted for the kingdom of God by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you.